Today on episode number 51 of the Marketing Musician Podcast, we talk about giving away your music for free. And in our ebook segment, we're going to listen to Picking Songs for Your Band. It might seem like a lot to make it happen today, but give it all you got and you just might find your way. Just make the music and you can choose to tell the world just who you are. You're listening to the Marketing Musician Podcast at marketingmusician.com. All right, hello, you marketing maniacs. It is I, your smiling host. Jammin' Dave Jackson, author of the book, Get Your Band Out of the Basement. That is available out at our website, marketingmusician.com, and you can find it at Kindle, better known as Amazon, for your Kindle. Go out there. It's like couch change for it. It's a great book. Again, Get Your Band Out of the Basement. If you'd like to join in on the conversation, my email is dave at marketingmusician.com. You can call in your comments, 888-563-3228. Or leave a comment out at the blog. You can also use the little button on our website. Leave us voicemail that way. And we're going to start off today with some voicemail. Hi there. This is Matt from mattearly.com or LibraRock.com. LibraRock.com is an open source record label, uh, primarily based in the UK, but is worldwide because it also works on the internet. Um, MattEarly.com is a blog that I do for musicians and event promoters um, across the world. But my question to you is, if you are accepting questions, that is, I have an opinion, and it is divided amongst musicians and other people that I speak to. Um, I think that musicians, artists and bands should give their music away for free to consumers. Now, this doesn't... I say consumers because this separates it from publishing rights, such as um, TVs, um, DVDs, uh, adverts, video games, and stuff like that. Um, And this doesn't mean actually physical CDs. So, because physical CDs cost to make, then there should be a price to that. So, you put together the whole package. What I'm talking about is downloads. So, it costs nothing to download something. Uh, But if you want a physical copy of the CD, then you can buy a physical copy of the CD. So, that's my opinion. I've been shut down by musicians mainly. Uh, Consumers, they would agree with me, but that's probably because they wouldn't have to pay, but musicians don't all agree with me, because they see it as a revenue stream. But, is it really a revenue stream, when they're not selling music uh, as downloads in the first place, because nobody wants to, wants to buy it? So, that is my question to you. Do you agree with the statement, musicians Artists and bands should give their music away for free to consumers. Matt, thank you so much. Um, I think here's the deal. With 
Napster, it set the groundwork for people to accept and, and more importantly, I think, expect music to be free. There's no CDs. There's no delivery charge. And that's actually not technically true. There are bandwidth costs. To get my digital file from me to you, I have to pay somebody for that bandwidth. Some way, somehow. It's very small, but it's it's not free is the bottom line. It's not a zero-cost transition. But people expect music for free. So whether or not I think it should be free is irrelevant. Do I think it should be free? No, I think you're delivering a product. I think you're delivering something of value. I think you're delivering something that will better their life, that will make them feel good, feel bad, feel sad, feel happy, whatever. You're going to give them something. That's what I feel. Now, the bad news is people expect it to be free. So what you do is you package the music with other things and say the music is free if you want notes, if you want a book about the making of the CD, things of that nature, then you have something that's not just music. This is special now. You know, if you, A CD should not be free because that's manufacturer cost. Should it be $15, $20? No, but it shouldn't be free. But for whatever reason, people are expecting money to be free. So I say package it with something else. Package it with a DVD. Package it with uh, uh, this. Package, throw it in with something else that people aren't expecting for free is one way to do that. Realize, if you let people get your music for free, they will spread it around to people. And I know you're thinking that's more sales that I'm not going to get. But this is why people wonder why people are charging so much at concerts. It's because you got to make money somewhere. How are you going to feed your kids if you're a musician? You know, I just went and saw B.B. King. His tickets, his T-shirts were 30 to $40 each. Why are they so expensive when that T-shirt probably costs $4? Because people are getting the music for free. You've got to make it up somewhere. Venues are taking bigger cuts, things like that. But that's why I think you're going to see more people really rely on their live show, which is what makes having a great live show so important and why it's so imperative that you work with the club owner so that you bring people in so that they continue to have and support live music. And that's where, again, you can sell a physical DCD, a personalized signed CD. That's why people like Pat Benatar are charging three, $400 to meet them after the show. $1,400 if you buy a guitar that their uh, Neil Gerardo will, will sign, right? Specialized things that you can't get other places. Oh, and by the way, we'll throw in the music for free. So people are packaging that, quote, free music, whether it should be free or not, with other things that can't be free is how most people, I think, are going to handle that situation. But I don't think, I think in the future, you know, it's going to be just seen as free. But that's why I think more people are packaging it and making the packaging something that is not expected to be free. Would love to hear your comments on this. Go out to marketingmusician.com forward slash 51 and uh, leave a comment out in the show notes.
School of Podcasting. We're going to start off with some quick podcast success stories. Here again, podcasting is opening doors to people. You're connecting with your audience, so you're getting to know them a little better. Subscribe now at schoolofpodcasting.com. I want to let you know, last Friday I went and saw B.B. King. If you're not familiar with B.B. King, he's really one of the original blues guys. He's a blues legend. He's 87 years old. And still tours. And when I mean tour, I mean tour. He's got dates. And what was interesting is he has diabetes. And to make a long story short, they wheeled him to the stage, to the backstage area, where I saw three guys help him get out of his wheelchair. He walked across the stage, just soaked up the standing ovation, and sat down and put on a pretty good show for an 87-year-old guy. Yeah, can he play the way he used to? Eh, but he still wasn't bad. Has still has some great chops, had a phenomenal band. But the thing I noticed, number one, he always addressed the audience. This was not a guy reading lyrics off of an iPad. He was spontaneous so that it kind of created a, a unique experience that people were talking about when they left. But the biggest thing that, that just drew me was his passion to entertain. And I think that's when you see, I've seen Buddy Guys, another big blues guy, These guys just love to entertain. Now, obviously, they're getting paid, but through it all, they enjoy making people smile. Um, David Hooper in his book that I talked about a couple weeks ago, we're in the business of helping people feel good. We're selling a feeling with our music. And uh, just wanted to share that insight with you. And if you ever get a chance to see him, he's not the guitar player he used to be. He's 87. He's 87. Think about that. But it was definitely uh, an amazing show. Are you the person in charge of your website? Then come check out the Weekly Web Tools podcast at weeklywebtools.com. Each week, we spotlight and review tools. We discuss strategies on web design and promotion. We talk a little SEO, all with the intent of enhancing your website. The Weekly Web Tools Podcast. It's the podcast for the do-it-yourself webmaster. Check it out at weeklywebtools.com. All right, in our segment today, this is out of the book, Get Your Band Out of the Basement. And this kind of pertains to copy bands, you know, bands that play covers and things like that. But it also, there's some things that you could put in here about playing your own original music. This segment is called Picking Songs. Now, we've talked about selecting band members. We've talked about picking a name. Let's talk about choosing songs. Now, when it comes time to pick songs that you want to learn, you want to keep things democratic. While some people may have a 100 songs they want to learn and another person could care less, you need to make sure there is the opportunity for everyone to contribute. If a person chooses to pass, that's their right, but they still need to have the opportunity to suggest a song. A practice should be taken to review songs nominated to be learned. All songs should be listened to by all participating band members and voted on. If needed, by a secret ballot. A majority vote begins the process of learning a song. If needed, have everyone put their CDs in a pile and and then randomly pick them out and play them. This way the members are not biased by who is suggesting the song. While this seems cold, stiff, and very business-like, if a song list gets dominated by one member's songs, the other members may begin to resent it. 
Picking songs can be very awkward if you are picking original material as well. Not only are you turning down someone's idea, you are turning down his or her creation. If a person's original song doesn't meet the criteria, then the person shouldn't take it personally and realize there's a reason for your decision. Sad, but true. I ended up playing some awful songs because I relied on my memory. A band member would come up and ask, Hey, do you remember the song by the band Nya Nya Nya? And I would go, eh, I, uh, I kind of remember that. I think that's kind of ringing a bell. And they would answer, I love that song. I really want to do it. And I'd say, well, okay, well, then let's do it then. As I, you know, tried to remember exactly how the song went. Now, later, when I received a copy of the song on CD, my memory bank was jolted back into reality. If I'd heard this song first, I would have voted it down. You know, if I'd used the steps of listening to the tunes together, this would have been avoided. Also, beware of this one, where they come up and they say, hey, I just, you know, I just spoke with Bob, and he agrees that he wants to do this song. It's kind of a trick. See, get everyone together, listen to the tunes, get everyone's opinion firsthand, because you may find out later that, uh, yeah, Bob was never asked about the song. So here are my steps for selecting songs. Everyone listens to the song. Using the criteria you've established for the type of music you'll be playing, decide if it fits the music style. The third step, of course, vote on the song. Now, this can be as simple as a thumbs-up, thumb-down system, or, and again, you could always use a secret ballot if you need to, or you could rate it from 1 to 10 and have a score that would put it on the list. For example, if there are four people in the group, it's very easy to have two people that want to play it and two people that don't. Now you've got a tie. What do you do? So what you could do is say, well, a song has to reach a score of 32 to get on the list. So, Bob, what do you give this song? Well, I give it an 8. All right, Jim, what do you give it? Uh, I give it a 3. All right, Steve, what do you give it? I give it a 10. All right, Dave, what do you give it? Eh, I give it a 7. Well, that's a score of 28. That song wouldn't make it on the list. We said it needs to be a 32. It's important that you actually listen to the song, as I mentioned before. Don't rely on your memory. You may like a song based on a time period in your life. Maybe it reminds you of high school. Then you learn the song seven years later, and, you know, basically it just doesn't get you going like it did years ago. Listening to it first would have refreshed your memory. The other thing is, don't be a baby. If your song receives a thumbs-down vote, don't, don't pout. Don't throw a tantrum. Let's see, there are only about a gazillion, billion, million, trillion other songs to pick from if you're doing a cover band, so suck it up! This is a different story when you're talking about original material. When someone attacks one of your songs, emotions may run hot and get you involved in a shouting match. Now take a second, control your actions, and think before opening your mouth. I know, easier said than done, I know, I know. But don't be spiteful and trash someone else's pick because they trashed yours. Nobody benefits from a pissing contest. Instead... Thank that person for their honesty and be glad that your group is able to say no to each other in a professional manner. Now, if this is, again, an original song, ask them why they didn't like it and ask what they would change. You never know. 
you may get a great suggestion. Remember, there's a common goal to get out of the basement and play in front of people and, you know, pouting, tantrums, pissing contests. That is not going to help you at all. Now, another thing to keep in mind, don't play songs that suck. And we're going to talk about this more when we get into talking about practice. But basically, if you're in a three-piece band, you may not want to play the songs that have horn parts, a piano part, a choir part, you know, background singers. You know, it may be your favorite song, but if you can't do it justice, pick one of the other zillion, trillion, million songs. Now, Mark Baxter of VoiceLessons.com, he makes a great point about singing, and it also applies to your band. He says about singing, if you sing in your key, then everybody assumes that your voice range is endless. However, if you sing out of your range, everybody knows it. Apply this to your band. Keep the songs in the range of the band. And there you have it again. You can find that out at marketingmusician.com. Also want to let you know that um, if you need, if your band doesn't have a website, please contact me. Email me, dave at marketingmusician.com. Put in the subject line, quick start. And I will actually send you a link. You can order hosting for your website. It's $7 a month. But I'll actually go through and set up your website for you for no additional cost because I'm going to videotape how I do it. I want to update the class, uh, Building Your Band's website, which is available now. You can actually take the class. And um, that's the other thing I'll do. I will let you have a copy of that class. I just, uh, you know, my band's website is done, and I want to show somebody's kind of coming from scratch. So if you're thinking of starting a new website for your band, maybe you've just been using Facebook or something like that, uh, send an email to me, Dave at MarketingMusician.com, and uh, we'll get your website made. So thank you so much for tuning again. Again, our website is marketingmusician.com. All my contact information is out there. All the classes, all the books. Check it out, marketingmusician.com. And let me remind you that uh, for those who have money, there is therapy. But for the rest of us, there is music. Hallelujah. Stay cool, everybody. We'll see you again real soon with another episode of the Marketing Musician Podcast.